Radio Chili Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. And now, and now the, most, the most underrated voice in all, in all media, Chuck O'Chelly. Underrated, underappreciated, underscored all the way around. The O'Chelly Effect, we are live here on... Guess what? The second day of November. <laughs> I, I Many attempts to go live this week, and we haven't gotten there. Uh, but but here it is, Thor's Day. And happily, I'm here with Mike Swanson, the guy behind WallStreetWindow.com. Be in the know. Go to WallStreetWindow.com. A lot of stuff over there, not just about Wall Street. Also, the author of Why the Vietnam War and The War State. Okay, two books that, uh, hey, look, you might see them in the sidebars there at Ocelli.com, especially that red book, the War State, highly recommended by me, and I am anxiously awaiting the next volume, which Mike says to me he's going to be working on quite a bit in the coming months. But we're going to talk about other stuff that Mike might be working on uh, within the next few weeks. He's got a presentation coming up. We'll talk about that and a few other things. Uh, meanwhile... What is going on in the world? Well, are you allowed to have an opinion? <laughs> are you allowed to see things in a way outside of the box? Are you supposed to only go to your uh, uh, assigned corners, right, your neutral corners as the fights go on in the world? Are you supposed to only be in support of certain things and you will be punished uh, excessively otherwise? Indeed, that is true. And uh, now I've got complaints coming in about the Friday night show, which are new, new complaints. Uh, people giving me a lot of flack for my opinion before now giving me flack for not giving opinions. Uh, gotta love that. I'm trying real hard to make the Friday night shows fun. And I'm really, really looking forward to what it is I'm going to talk with Mike about in a moment, which is the Lancer Conference coming up the 17th through the 19th of November. That's this November. That's a couple of weeks away, and I'm taking a road trip with BP. I'll be there live. If you want to see me, you can go to the Lorenzo Motel in Dallas, and there are plenty of links on many of my podcasts, so you can go if you like, and you can be there virtually if you want as well. Um, I'm going to be the MC there. And by the by, last little announcement before I get into my conversation with Mike, I will be on Coast to Coast AM live as a guest. I'm booked for November 18. Uh, apparently 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific on the 18th of November, I'm going to be the JFK guy on Coast to Coast AM. <laughs> uh, I'll be talking to Richard Serrett, which I'm really happy about. Happier to be talking to Serrett than I am, than I would be with Nori even. Uh, and I've never done Coast to Coast before. That'll be the largest radio audience I'll have ever been in front of. So, um, you know. It's going to be interesting. They're going to get to actually hear my opinions because we're going to be talking JFK that night, and I'm real solid on that. It's not about politics. It's about evidence there. And uh, guess what? It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'll uh, give you guys links to things like that, and maybe we'll discuss it a little more before I actually go live and go on that road trip. But looking forward to it. So once again, the 17th to the 19th of November, I'll be at the Lancer Conference. Okay, the 2023 Lancer Conference, because it's been 60 years since JFK was assassinated, and I'll be the MC for that event. And in the middle of that, on the 18th, the night of the 18th, at 10 p.m. Pacific time, I will go live on Coast to Coast AM. So wanted to get those things out there. And uh, in the meantime, what am I doing? Surviving with the Ocelli Effect, the network, all of that good stuff. And one of the reasons why I do is because of this guy, Mike Swanson. Mike. 
Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you now that I've run my mouth for a couple of minutes and we went to the stream late. Podcasters, you don't care. You don't know what time we went to the stream. But we went live late. Uh, I had a little technical issue. <laughs> but you know what? At this point, why not? It's um, It's been a strange time. Uh, financially, I'm wondering because, look, I know that you uh, you, you write stories about a lot of stuff. Uh, local politics, you put out stories. You distribute news about geopolitical issues of all sorts, etc. Um, but you are known as a financial guy. Wall Street window, after all. And uh, you, you, you have focused on that a lot in your media presentations, in your content creation. Um, and I got to say, it, it's got to be a strange landscape for you, just like it is in politics, because I don't know, I'm getting these weird things happening where people are saying, well, you know, the economy still sucks, but it's improving. Again, I'm hearing this crap, just like I did after the collapse in 2008. You know, the economy's getting better, the economy's getting better, and yet anybody I know is not doing well, is struggling more and more, is having more of a vice grip put on them uh, in, in the financial circumstances. Now, again, I don't know a lot of people who play the markets or who have, you know, massive investments, etc. But, you know, those of us little people out here trying to survive, Mike... <laughs> I got to say, we're noticing it ain't getting any easier. Your paycheck's not going up, but the prices at the grocery store sure are. If you want a roof over your head, that's going to cost you more. And yet, I got a lot of people telling me in their news articles that, well, the economy's improving. This and that is getting better. We're seeing greater job numbers. We're seeing stronger this, that, and the third thing. And I find the entire landscape really confusing and disconnected from reality. But then again, isn't that the way the news runs in all the many avenues on the map of what they call news? Um, how do you observe this currently? I mean, is there sort of an unreal, you know, kind of aspect to the financial news, just like there is to the rest of the news out there? I mean, do you get punished for your opinions if you go against the tide? I mean, you're not supposed to say the American economy's in the toilet, even though kind of just waiting for that flushing noise myself. Uh, but but then again, if you don't acknowledge it, what planet are you on? I mean, Mike, what, what, do, you, what do you have to say to stuff like that? <laughs> well, um, I've been producing less and less and less content about the stock market, the economy, and, and, and that whole world. And one of the reasons why is that um, – Sort of the situation you're talking about, um, I don't really, you know, pe- people that, that I'm writing to, you know, they want to hear about ideas on how to make money trading, a stock to buy, and so forth. And um, the market is in a state where I don't really think it's going to do much for years. Mm-hmm. I don't just mean – you know, one year, but for, for, for 10 years, I don't think it's going to provide a big return for people. Um, so I'm not excited about it. And the only way I see for people, you know, that want to trade the market to make money is to wait for it to have these declines and, and buy low, which happened every couple of years. And so you have to wait for that opportunity. That's not what people want to hear. They want an idea, uh, right now. And they've been, and the financial, uh, mainstream media 
and um, the so-called alternative media have melded and become one mm-hmm. uh, over the past couple of years. It wasn't like that when I first got into this. Uh, <laughs> now, in the year 2000, well, over 20, 23 years ago. Let me see if I what, got this straight. Let me just see if I got this straight, Mike, because what it sounds like you're saying to me is very similar to what it is I, I've been saying out loud privately mostly lately is that, you know what? If I provide my real analysis to uh, circumstances, whatever they may be, it's not what people want to hear. Um, what they want to hear right now from you as a financial guy is tell me what the secret stock is. Tell me what the, uh, you know, what that long shot surprise is going to be later that other people didn't see coming. And other than that, if they want to know, you know, stuff in the financial business world, then they want to know what the next great business opportunity is, not only for investment, but how do I position myself to benefit from it one way or another? It could be about what is the, next trend in business, right? Um, you know, the online stores, the people that got ahead of that curve have been very successful and made themselves very uh, wealthy, stuff like that, right? So even if you take a look at your YouTube commercials, I don't know about you, but I'm getting inundated with, I have the secret business. I'll give you my book. I'll give you my seminar, but I've got the secret business for you. I've got the secret bet for you to place one way or another financially. And that's really what a lot of people want. If your honest analysis is, look, this situation is kind of stagnant. It's going to be this way for a while. And what you're going to have to do is patiently wait things out. Well, that's not exciting. That's like how you're going to make a movie about a war when when the generals are saying what we need to do is hold our resources back and wait for an opening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, And it's linked to the way you describe the economic situation. But why is that not the message you know, when you turn on the television um, or the alternative media in a slightly different way, uh, but both have messages of either the economy is just booming and everything's good and everything's improving right. and unemployment's down and you got to, you know, so invest because, you know, it's this good time here. And the people that are running the Federal Reserve, they tell you, are really masters of what they're doing and are good at managing the situation for you. Uh, or the alternative message would be we're on the edge of collapse. Right. And so- it's coming next week. When in reality, I think what's really happening is, the, the current situation of stagnant, is the way to describe it, is, is going to continue for years. Well, stagnation, um, yeah, and stagnation doesn't sell. Say so stagflation. That, that's it's what almost it really like is. stagflation was in the in the late seventies, right? Uh, well, throughout the seventies, pretty much. That's that's what. A good, you know, I mean, nothing's exactly no, it's the same. Not, it's not quite a parallel, but it's similar. The best parallel we got. Right. Now, the funny to part do, is to describe it. what people want when it comes to content, whether it's on TV or it's in, you know, newsletters or anything else. What they want is something that you're not offering. If you're going to tell them, look, it's stagnating. You're going to have to be patient. Nobody wants to hear that. So. In the MSM, what they want is everything's good. It's all fine. Okay. No problems. We're actually getting better. Things, even though it looks bad out there, guys, really the secret is it's actually good. The alternative side, right? The outside the box is well, saying. Well, in the financial world, yeah. the alternative people do 
Some of them do that too. Mm-hmm. That same message, they just hype it up more. Well, they try so, and stress timing, right? Look, the yeah, timing. Well, for example, yeah, they won't simply say uh, this is a good economy or this is a good time. Mm-hmm. They will say we're on the edge of a technical revolution that's going to change everything, and AI is going to change your life. Mm-hmm. Just and, and they were saying this about metaverse. They're saying this about Bitcoin, and this year they're saying this about AI, and that's already peaked out as far as the stocks that were going up as part of that. Dope and marijuana was also a trend several years ago, Mm -hmm. and yeah, you saw marijuana – you know, legalization throughout the country, but they were promoting penny stocks of marijuana companies. Right. And they just, you know, all went bust because most of these companies were garbage. Well, you know what? Uh, So it's a lot of pump and dump and hype. Speaking of of hype and games, speaking of hype and games, something I've noticed uh, is that, you know what? I'm not seeing the massive push uh, on the Robin Hoods and the, hey, play the stock market home game. Well, Robinhood is shifted its resources. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I don't, you know, have the exact figure right in front of me, but something like 20 million people opened up Robinhood accounts Mm -hmm. in 2020. Right. And well over half of those people wiped out. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're gone from the market. They're not trading. More, more than half, uh, actually, uh, finance, they, they wiped their accounts out. And, uh, it's, there aren't a lot of new people getting into it because they don't have the stimmy money, you know, like they did in 2020. <laughs> right. There isn't this flock of young people new, opening up new Robinhood accounts. So, so the, that whole mania of trading is, is, you know, be behind us. So what Robinhood as a company has done is shift from being a company where they want you to open up brokerage accounts to a company that wants to feed customers credit cards and make money off debt, mm-hmm. create as many, you know, people indebted to them as they can, and then charge over 20% interest, just like MasterCard. And other, you know, credit card companies and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze these people. And that's the new, the new Robin Hood. Ah, well, see, now that's going on. And I also see there is a, a, a trend again in the, you know, look, we're outside the box. We're thinking, you know, outside of the uh, typical. I see a, a trend in trying to get people involved in, and I don't think it's a poor idea either. Uh, Electronic transactions of all sorts, right? Get get behind PayPal, get behind uh, you know the, these independent banks, these other services, right? Uh, the, these things that offer you the debit cards, you know, you see them all the time. Ads for Chime and uh, Dave and whatever else, right? These things. We're not really a bank, but they're all a bank. <laughs> they're they're all some kind of bank. They're backed by a bank. That's how they got their Visa or Mastercard logos. Um, but they're stressing this idea of you can make money off the financial transactions because guess what every time you move or use your money anymore uh there's a fee attached to it right uh if you make a purchase there might be a fee you you open a card you make a deposit you make a withdrawal there's these fees and i see a little weird trend of get in on that part of the business 
because that's universal. It's not dependent on a product or anything yeah, else. It's yeah. all nonsense. The idea that these electronic transaction things are going to create, you know, this revolution or great economy yep. is probably one of the biggest hoaxes in a, in alternative media in our lifetime. Well, the and funny, I'll just give yeah. you an example. Well, you well funny thing, here's the funny thing to me, though, is, you know, these are the same people who were telling me that NFTs were the future, and it is the same people with the cryptocurrency, because they're saying, look, you can be part of this thing where the cryptocurrency now, it's so funny to me, because it was supposed to be way outside of the system. It was, you know, the thing that the system couldn't track, the governments couldn't control, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but now they're trying to push it as, look, you can be part of any of these transactions where you'll be able to benefit whether it's crypto or it's you know regular currencies or it's people making trades get in on the money being made from the transactions themselves i'm not kidding by the way this is one of those things that people are pushing and i'm looking at it going wow this is like really i mean this is like after the vultures are done with the carcass somebody's going, look, there's still bones there to work with. Let's go after the bones. I mean, that's what it looks like strategically to me. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'm not a money guy. It's just, it's weird though, isn't it? Uh, to, to see that this kind of thing. So go ahead. You're, you're saying this is a tremendous hoax. And this, by the way, still isn't the main topic we're going to get to. Um, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's simple. I mean, you just use Bitcoin as example. Let's say... All other Bitcoin was the only way to do any transaction. All other currencies were wiped out, declared illegal, mm-hmm. and, and the only thing that existed was Bitcoin. Right. That's it. Just Bitcoin. Well, the whole economy would completely collapse if that was if Bitcoin was the only way to to do transactions. The complete opposite of what the Bitcoin evangelists tell you they they say bitcoin will liberate you now if bitcoin was the only transaction and allowed it would turn it would destroy the whole world the complete opposite of liberation how 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 is that possible well the 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 flaw in their art in in the, the bitcoin belief system is that every time a transaction is made with bitcoin when you withdraw money, take money out, use it to buy something, they you're charged. Mm-hmm. You're charged a fee for that, uh, and that goes to the Bitcoin exchanges and so forth. Well, every time, what that would mean is that every single time there's a transaction, money's actually being taken out of the economy, yep. out of your hands, out of the hands of the other person. And the fee is being charged, you know, uh, for economic activity and going to these crypto exchanges. Now, the, if that yeah. if that was the only way to to do transactions, within a week, you know, every time you know, every time the money supply of the bitcoins would shrink, 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 and eventually there'd be you know hardly any, and people, you know. Every every time you use it, you lose money, you know, well, see, the counter, and, and they make money. See, it's the counter, complete parasitism. I got I got you, but the counter and, and yeah, the, the counter, biggest hoax right. that these people for you know forced on people, but it doesn't matter. It's not going to take over. It's 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 you well, know why, it's just why I bring all these whatever. things up. Okay, but Mike, why I bring all these things up is because they do actually come together at a really weird confluence. Um, because the way I observe all other 
financial transactions at this point. Every financial transaction you make, okay, generally has a fee attached to it. Now, those fees are collected we'll just, by the different we'll institutions. just use cash. Well, but even if you use cash in some places, now look, how are you going to get cash in your hand? You're going to have to withdraw it from an ATM, so you're going to pay an ATM fee, right? How do you get cash? You go to a bank, they charge you to cash checks. Like In other words, it seems like everywhere you turn, it's not possible to make a financial transaction without paying fees to somebody. Now, as for where those fees go, that's a whole other issue. But, I mean, these institutions, they charge you for – like I'll give you a for instance. If I have money in my uh, in my PayPal account right now, which is the only thing I have – um, cause I don't use banks anymore, but if I go to withdraw and I have a card that's attached to my PayPal account, I'll wind up paying the ATM people. I wind up paying a fee to PayPal. I wind up, you know what I'm saying? Just to put the cash in my hand. And it seems like everybody else I know who's working with everything from credit unions to banks, to credit card companies, everything have these fees attached to them. See, that's why I brought up the thing about these these other people. It almost seems logical to me that, yes, indeed, there probably is a fortune to be made if you can tap into all that because they're collecting 50 cents, a dollar, this and that, on all these different transactions. Well, I mean, if there's 300 million people and, you know, each of them is making uh, so many transactions so often and you're able to collect, you know, 10 cents on each of them, you will get wealthy. <laughs> if you can figure out a way to collect 10 cents on everybody's transactions, uh, you, you can get wealthy a dime at a time still, right? Um, but it's weird because it's not the way it's going to work because these different institutions are collecting this stuff. They're shrinking the money that's in the hands of the buying public, just like they're shrinking the cryptocurrency by charging these fees when you make a transaction. Okay. In other words, the system still remains the same. You still got to pay right? For them to hold on to your money. You still got to pay for them to hold on to your coin. You still got to pay for them to hold on to it. You got to pay for them to move it. You got to pay when you got to pay. So it sounds like a big hustle. It does, doesn't it? It sounds to me like exactly the situation you try and get if you're a gangster in an area. If you got a small piece of everything going on, you know, sort of like BlackRock, they own a small piece of everything, right? It's like the way to go in order to make yourself extremely wealthy while just bleeding people a tiny bit at a time. Um, and that seems to be, look, and there's there's only so many parasites that the body can take. The whole of the system can only take so many parasitic units here. So after a while, people are going to actually have to do something outside of, you know, just becoming the added extra on there and bleeding off of the system eventually, right? It seems like there's too many parasites and not enough producers, unless I'm reading it wrong. How, what do you think of that, or am I just nuts? <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like a good description of what's happening, but it's it's frustrating, you know. But and, it's, I, and uh, I know nobody wants to hear this either. So you know, but but again, it's just <laughs> one of those things. Nobody wants my political opinion. Nobody wants me to talk about the Paris. No, they want the you to tell them that right. you like a coin too. And and buy this coin, and we can all get rich. That's what the and, and what do the coins do? They go up and they crash. Well, a couple of years ago, they were encouraging everybody to start their own coins. Remember that? I mean, that was not too long ago. I mean, you and sure. I literally could have started if we wanted to. We could have started the Swanson Ocelli coin if we wanted, right? 
or the Wall Street window coin, right? And we could have just sold that. Now, what do you do with it? Well, for now, you can just make transactions with us, but we sell you the coin. We, we collect a fee for that, and then we collect a fee when you use the coin. And meanwhile, what is the coin actually worth? <laughs> Right, um, a whole bunch well, of people did that. One thing we won't be doing we're, that you mentioned the Lancer conference. It's, it's in two weeks. It's mm-hmm. in Dallas. Right, people can go and see us in person. I'll be giving a presentation Sunday morning, and I've got a. That's what I'm going to start to work on is getting that ready. Nice, uh, nice segue, by the way. But, yeah, but I won't be that. talking about crypto <laughs> at that presentation. <laughs> no, no crypto, no politics, at least not current events. Um, we may talk about the history of polit- political situations uh, there in Lancer, and indeed we will be getting together there. Uh, and, I, and I'm wondering what it is you're going to present on Sunday, which ought to be the most interesting day because that will be the day of the banquet and everything else, and that will be the end of the conference. Uh, hopefully by then there will have been a lot of interesting information exchanged. There's a huge list of people, which I promoted before, and you can uh, definitely go to – I'll give the link to people for the conference here with the show notes. It's cetera um but one thing that's good here is that we won't be talking about that we'll be into another controversy a controversy uh here regarding what actually happened to the 35th president which by the way what do you have a a uh you know a general idea that uh, that you want to share now about your presentation or you want to hold it until the conference well i i, I kind of i have to i mean i kind of know what i'm going to talk about uh you know i gotta prepare it and stuff but i, I don't want to get too specific i'll just say that i, I i'm going to talk about uh one of the things that's in the first book i wrote that's a document mm-hmm. but it's the most shocking jfk document i've ever read and I read it, you know, when I wrote that book, and people just don't pay any attention to it. Uh, that document and, and that page, I don't, you know, th- thousands of people read the book, but this part of it just, they read right by it. Uh, but I'm going to show that document, talk about it, right. and some stuff about the Cuban Missile Crisis that people overlook. Um, uh, and, and talk a little bit about the foreign policy, Kennedy, and in the arms race and so forth. So you'll be talking a bit about the geopolitical circumstances. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. really but one of the, the main thrusts of it. But at the end, I'm going to share a document I've told you about, I believe. Okay. Uh, but um, it's – no one has seen it. I, I, I have it. Um, it's not even on the Mary Farrell a website. It's at the J. I got it from the JFK, the National Archives. Right. But it's not, you know, in the database available. So I had to go. I had to request this. So I, I may have the only copy outside the archives. And this document has to do with the motorcade, the Dallas police, and presidential security. Right. And I think people will find it very interesting at the conference. And this, and I'm going to present that at the end mm-hmm. because the next speaker is um, after me is um, Bart Camp, who's he does a lot about the Dallas police. So right, uh, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm the first presentation that morning, so I'm going to try to set up the people that 
speak after me. Gotcha. I I just got a copy of his book, by the way. Uh, somebody sent me a copy of... Uh, yeah, I've read 100 pages of it. I haven't. Yeah, I only just cracked it open and looked at the introduction so far. I, I, I just got it. So, uh, But uh, his, his whole thing, and I, I'm skeptical on this prayer man thing that he's going to talk about, but apparently uh, he's going to give a presentation that's going to lay out a whole bunch of stuff about the circumstances that day. Um you know, regarding the assassination, where people were, what was going on. With the, well, yeah. Well, it's uh, I don't really personally care about this prayer man thing, which is a uh, very fuzzy, uh, like dark. You can't, you know, no, person no. standing in the doorway. You can't tell who it is did, from looking at the picture. Did you get a physical copy of the book? Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the front cover of the book tells you the story of what you're looking at. It's really i don't know what you're supposed to see in that in that but, blur yeah, but, but i i don't personally care but about it one way or the other uh but the book has a timeline half the book mm-hmm. goes into is just a timeline of what happens after oswald's arrested and his dealings with the police and their the evidence they collect so i'm I, that's what i'm really interested in is is that half of the book but the part about the prayer man he's going through and describing all the people you know that what the people said right that were in the texas school book depository building what they testified to the warren commission and they gave statements to the fbi and uh, other statements you know so these different people and that in itself you know i'm learning you know it's making me think about that stuff again and i'll just say one thing about it Mm-hmm. Um, which I didn't really realize. Uh, maybe I, I, I just missed it, but yeah. the people at that doorway standing outside, mm-hmm. and and most of the people even inside the building. Now, I haven't gotten to the witnesses, uh, the three black men that were in the floor below uh where Oswald supposedly was, right. but the people on the lower floor, at least, and the people standing around on the outside, they thought that the shots were coming from uh, the overpass, the grassy knoll area, mm. and walked in that direction immediately after the shooting. Yeah, with the exception of Harold Norman, who uh, had always said that he thought he heard, you know, the noise coming from above his head. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's one of those guys. So you're talking about, uh, what is it, Ju- Junior? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Junior Jarman and uh, and, and Harold Norman is uh, one of those guys. And then there's a, another one whose name escapes me at this very moment. But Well, let me qualify what I said. that The, the people that were standing outside of the doorway, yeah. they didn't see Kennedy shot. From their vantage point, they saw him go by, and all of them thought it was firecrackers or something. Right. And then, then they, the 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 neck that was the first shot they thought all of them thought was fireworks or firecrackers. And then the next two, some of them thought were gunshots, and they thought it was coming not from the building. You know, they thought it was from in front of you know from 
in front of them somewhere. Right. Well, um, when we go so, to Dallas, when we go to Dallas, I definitely plan. I mean, look, uh, you, you and I, when we went there uh, in 2017, yeah. if you guys look at the little short film I put together, Mike is holding the camera when I'm standing in that doorway, actually. And I say, oh, am I Oswald standing in the doorway? I'm making jokes. But um, from that vantage point, I mean, I'm going to revisit it and take a look at it and probably film that vantage point to show people what it is they would have been looking at effectively. But um, I, I just wonder yeah. if, how could, you know, if they're standing right there, why wouldn't they really hear the gunfire from coming above them if it was coming from above them? Well, again, it's, look, it's not a simple, you know, if you're in a real world circumstance, Mike, see, this this is always the weird arguments about this stuff. And by the way, I hope he goes through the whole thing in the book about the lineups and the way they conducted that stuff with Oswald, because there is a whole story there that I, I swear to you. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and, I, and I, I did or I didn't know or I forgot that I know they gave Frazier a hard time and tried to get him to confess. Right. But there is another employee that they told to come to the police station they detained the guy um because he had been a member of something some left-wing group years ago mm-hmm. of some left-wing veterans group and they immediately were suspicious of him no they were and had this guy detained yeah no there were three or four guys they didn't arrest were, him but they detained him yeah there were three or four guys that were detained uh one of them uh, at first they thought might have been intoxicated that they took in and uh then well they, this was an employee of the building that yeah I'm speaking of yeah yeah but i'm just saying be, be, between that guy and uh frazier and uh, there, there was a bunch of people that were brought in and they detained him under different circumstances for different reasons and pretty much we're pushing just about anybody to confess to something. Yeah, um, they, they were. Which is pretty wild when you think about it because the, the general story has always been, look, this is the only guy that we had in mind is Oswald. He's the only guy who was missing. You know what I mean? Which is not the true story if you take a look at the real world circumstances. But once again, if you're in a crowd or you're in a situation, I mean, let's just say you and I go to the conference, right? You and I are there at the conference. We're focusing on on presentations, this and that. Now, I go outside for a cigarette. Maybe you go outside to talk with me and something happens out on that street. In real time, um, just because you and I were there does not necessarily mean we're going to be the best witnesses even. You know, if a car accident occurs outside of that hotel and I'm outside having a, you know, okay, I go outside to have a cigarette. We both take our cups of coffee outside. Say it's Sunday morning. Your presentation is done. I decide to go have a cup of coffee and a cigarette. You come with me to have the cup of coffee and we're standing outside talking and a car wreck happens right there on the street in front of us. We may be engaged in speaking with one another. I'm drinking my coffee, having my cigarette. I'm handling things in my pockets, whatever. And we might not even know exactly how that car accident went down, which is a lot easier thing to track than, wait a minute, there's a noise. Is somebody shooting? What is that noise? No, it's obvious that a car accident happens right in front of you, right on the street. But I've seen circumstances where something like that happens 20 feet from where somebody's standing and they don't know what the hell happened. They're putting it together afterwards because they see the car is wrecked or this one's pushed over to the side or... But then you start asking them, well, which one pulled out in front of which first? Did somebody leave their lane? Did somebody swerve? Was the car coming from the opposite direction? 
And they don't know. You know why? Because they weren't really paying attention to that. Where their focus was might be a complete distraction, even if it's 20 feet away. You know what I mean? So when you put these things together and people think about this absolute of, well, they saw something that was, you know, extreme in history. And yes, that means they felt the pressure to fill in the gaps. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they observed everything. Even if they were outside watching the president go by, they might have watched the president go by. They might have been talking to somebody. Hey, man, that's pretty cool. Look at that. That's a big limo, right? You turn, you look at your friend, whatever. Hey, what? what's that noise? Just because they don't know what direction it came from. You know, people uh, point to this all the time. They knew or they didn't know. In real time, when people are witnesses to stuff like this, it's never quite as black and white as people want to make it out to be. It's very interesting to see not only how those things were uh, recorded and reported initially, but also how they changed over the years, too, right? Because you talk to somebody a year or two later. Uh, you're going to have different details. It's just a guarantee. Again, it could be as simple as a car accident. It could be as simple as, did you know that somebody's dog got out of their yard? It doesn't matter. They will fill in with new information, and their stories will change. So it's very important to, this is why they always try and collect stuff immediately on the scene right away, etc. And some things do require thought. You need to sort it out. Like, oh, I didn't realize it until afterwards, but... Because this, that means that this happened, you know, because I saw this, that means that that would have to be the case, etc. You start to reason with these things and work with the information. But the initial information that you've absolutely collected is not necessarily what you end up with, which is also very interesting. So that's why it's always good to take a look at what was recorded initially. And then you have the big questions, right? Did the Dallas police record everything accurately? Did the sheriff's department, which is not the DPD, did they record things accurately? What was the FBI recording and what didn't they record, et cetera, right? What were these other people saying and seeing about what they saw? Um, it's a very interesting thing to lay out. So I hope our focus is on that more than that photograph, but, uh, but, but prayer man, I am quite skeptical on, even though I see that Malcolm Blunt wrote the introduction and a bunch of other things there, which, you know, give it some credibility in my mind immediately, but I want to see what evidence he presents here. And I hope it's not just, you know, the, the notes from, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> from uh, the, the the head of uh, robbery homicide there, right? Because that guy's notes notoriously a mess. Uh, you know, oh, I was outside with Bill Shelley. Well, when did he say that? And I've got a serious question about that based on Oswald's immediate utterances, you know, immediate outcries to the media that day. Uh, things he was saying, and, and also, let's not forget, a guy who's in custody might not tell the entire truth just because, various reasons fill in the blank. There is a whole lot in play here regarding this whole situation. And I got to tell you, uh, in real time, things are not exactly, you know, as they seem. And, and certainly when people have 60 years now to keep looking back on stuff, uh, the way the, the lens through which we observe it is definitely not the same as somebody who saw it five minutes ago in 1963. 
You know what I mean? So there, there, there's a lot there to be considered, collected, examined, and analyzed. Anyways, Mike, that's some interesting stuff. I'm looking forward to your presentation on the Cold War. Um, I'd love it if you could send me a copy of that document again, because I'm not sure which one you're referring to, actually. Off the top of my head, that's that's the most shocking. <laughs> you know, I've been through so many documents lately. Um, you still with me, Mike? Did I put you to sleep? Yeah, yeah, I, okay. I'm listening to you. I'm sorry. I thought I put you to sleep there. Because yeah. here, here I go being, and I won't be long-winded at the conference. I'm not giving a presentation. So uh, I am going to be on a couple of panels. Are you joining a panel also at the uh, conference, Mike? Uh, I'm not listed to be on one, but, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe you'll end up joining one. I think I'm going to join the one for the Walker shooting, okay? Uh, which is really interesting. I don't know if you would taken a look at the stuff that because uh, Dudna, Greg Dudna is going to be there. I, I I don't know. I mean, I read something in the past year that's I think it's him. So, someone reexamining the Walker shooting and yeah, they're positing that Oswald may have been with someone. You know, they have strong evidence that. Someone was involved, right? That was one of Walker's assistants. Is that what you're referring to? Is that I don't know. Yeah, there's the that same person. There's that part of it. Yes. Um yeah. And and he tracked down, you know, with, with these cars that nobody knew where they came from. He tracked yeah. stuff down. Very good stuff. It's new information on the Walker shooting, uh, which I find extremely fascinating. So you know, there's going to be a lot of new information. And uh, hey, that that guy uh, Alex too is going to be there. Alex Harris. Uh, who is the youngest presenter I've ever heard of at a conference. But I got to tell you, I, I talked to him privately and I talked to him on the show. Um, he's got a pretty good grasp of the photographic evidence. Uh, the, the You know, it's difficult yeah, to get the whole universe. Oh, okay. But go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. What were you going to say? Uh, um, the, just that uh, General Walker, he is a more I'm – I'm not trying to – he was a more important figure than people realize. Oh, absolutely. You know, during that time. I'm not not to say I believe he had something to do with the assassination. Uh, I, I, I don't. But, um, you know, he was all in the news, especially in the Dallas area. Right. Uh, I mean, he, he, was a, he was on the cover of Time magazine. Yeah, a uh, very public too, figure. You know, I mean, he, he was a important figure mm -hmm. and the thing about it i didn't know this till a year or two ago reading reading a book uh about uh different right-wing activists in the 1960s I, I actually talked about it on your show yep uh but the kenny administration what it got in there the birchers and other right-wing groups that similar to them uh, were vehemently opposed to the Kenny administration. Right. And a lot of the people in their circles were retired generals, such as General Walker. Uh, not active duty, but retired. Mm -hmm. And there were a series of newspaper articles about this. And the Kenny administration actually being concerned about Bircher influence inside the military. So th this was actually a big issue that goes beyond just General Walker. He was just the most significant uh, figure in it that became the most well-known. 
So there's a whole side story to all that. Then that, that really they only seen, seen knew knew about this, only seen it mentioned or talked about in this this one book I read. You know. Right, right. No, but that's the thing is that, uh, look, he's a much more significant figure at the time, publicly well-known, uh, certainly a voice that was being heard in certain political circles. And he was a significant figure that, yeah, at one point somebody took a shot at him. That was the story that was floated. And it is possible, you know, in, in my mind, it's possible that that could have been staged. In order well, to, uh, it's yeah. very, very likely because the thing about Walker is he was also he, like, I, I guess, a bubble, you know, it, he when he retired, um, she was going to run for president. Right. He thought and he gave a speech in Dallas. He was getting donations from H.L. Hunt, Clint Murchison um, and other people that, you know, donated to. Those to Joseph McCarthy and they like MacArthur, you know. They wanted they wanted MacArthur to run for president. He didn't do it, and now they're wanting Walker to run. And Walker gave a speech in the Dallas Auditorium, and it was awful. Mm-hmm. Like the audience, you know, wasn't impressed. And after that speech, they kind of saw you know this guy's not gonna run for president and then he testified to congress and same thing happened he just came off as a as a fool right he was saying stuff about communists in the in the the military and, and and it just didn't come off credible and so after those two appearances his political star or or any chance of running for office or you know do doing anything in that sense just collapsed yeah and and they shifted murchison and the hunt uh, h.o hunt and so forth they shifted their resources to supporting the congressman of in that served the dallas area i can't remember his name but he became at the time a significant, you're not, not nowhere like General Walker, the way he talked. Mm-hmm. He started, you know, that, that whole Walker, John Birch mess, John Birch Society type message, or it was really derivative of Joseph McCarthy, and it had peaked out right. really already by 19, before 1960. So Walker was on the downslope of that type of, um, uh, ideology or messaging but he was trending down among people that were sympathetic to or on the right yeah. side of the equation he, but, but he, he right. what he what he had left were the remnants you know still a movement right. of people they just they, they were just the idea of them getting real political power was long gone and but they you know they were still Billy James Hargis mm-hmm. a whole network of uh, speakers that he got a speaking network he got onto. Right. Uh, is is by the time he was shot that or shot at that's what he was doing and I think it was you know very likely easily probably was a publicity stunt or something uh, because it happened just as his political career 
collapsed. Right. It seems like it was the kind of thing they were trying to get a resurgence out of it. Like, in other words, let's do a little publicity stunt. We can get interest again. People are actually taking you as uh, some sort of threat. So you can play the game of, hey, look, I'm a big threat. They tried to shoot me, uh, you know, kind of thing. And that's what it looks like. Yeah. And, and, uh, and yeah. he, you know, he remained a figure in the in, in those circles and billy james hargis was was huge um he was the guy that kind of first popularized the idea that rock and roll music was of the devil yeah, uh, yeah he yeah, was yeah. selling pamphlets and he had a i don't remember you know the, the big subscription newsletter i mean tens of thousands of people subscribing to it. it's like a magazine yeah promoting this and he was the first person to, that did that. He was a real pioneer in right-wing fundamentalist evangelism before Falwell and on some of these other characters would sit. They were simply copying some of his messages right. and making it shiny and better. Um, you know, he had Hargis had his flaws right. uh, in, a, in a personal, in his personal life. Him and uh walker were like comrades in arms you know right. uh hargis got in a sex scandal with a boy uh so right. like david ferry stuff but so. that see but there you go this is what goes on a lot of times with these guys that are in you know sort of the extreme end of the pool and, and this was culture wars you know long before we had the internet and stuff people blame yeah. the internet for it but no we had the the culture war of look the decadent american society is collapsing and destroying the family this kind of stuff i mean everybody from rush limbaugh to uh you know desantis now have benefited in one way or another from the groundwork laid by these guys yeah DeSantis is just a copy of what stuff Billy James Hargis was doing. Right, just a little more palatable, a little more acceptable. You know, the message is not as extreme. Well, perhaps, but, you know, like we were talking about the Republican debate, his presentation skills are dismal. Yeah. I can't believe this guy is a governor, much less running for president. He can't present anything. Well, I mean, it just comes off as a big phony. If you put him on a stage all by himself, though, and you put some legitimate, you know, symbology around him, he comes off a little better. You put him. Oh, okay. Yeah, you put him up there with other people, though. Forget it. It, It's a mess. Uh, But kind of like if you took a picture of Biden, like a still photo of Biden, uh, it just played music. Yeah, yeah. It would Maybe be, you'd get inspired. It'd be all right, right. But if you actually watch him and everything, you go, eh, okay, this guy looks a little shaky. <laughs> that's that's what happens. You put DeSantis on a stage with other people, and here it goes, you know. And at the same time, he's he's having to play this game of I'm an outsider, but I'm also, you know, I'm part of the establishment, but I'm not part of the establishment. But won't he a CIA torture guy? See, that's the weird thing to me is I can't I I I, I can't reason through all something. This. Yeah, he or was a lawyer. Now he's a lawyer for the CIA. Or well, something. he was I, like he was. I don't remember what it was. He was working for military intelligence stuff. What I understand, but the, yeah, again, that, people something like that. Point yeah. to the fact that he was a veteran, which he was, and et cetera, et cetera. But it's a it's a tangled web once you start to uh, get into all of it, and uh, you can see how well he's doing, not well at all. And uh, who keeps rising? The guy who keeps having to go to court. The guy whose kids were uh, on the stand the past couple of days, right? This is the guy who's rising in the political uh, arena right now in the Republican Party. And uh, he hasn't had to rise. He hasn't had to show up for a debate. He just is the heir apparent, right? Trump. Well, when you look at the toilet bowl of American politics, I guess the turds float to the top. (laughs) 
There you go. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that, Mike Swanson. WallStreetWindow.com. The turds float to the top is his final word for this one. But, uh, Mike, we will, probably will not speak again until after the uh, the conference, but we'll sure. speak at the conference. And hopefully I'll get a video short of you or two while I'm there. Uh, but, uh, again, guys, WallStreetWindow.com, the books, the war state, also why the Vietnam War, and possibly this year. Michael, uh, when, when do you think you're going to have the second volume uh, available? You think before the end of the year, 24, or what? Uh, sometime next year, hopefully. Sometime in 24, look for the next volume in the Why the Vietnam War uh, you know, set that uh, I think is a planned three-volume set. Mike Swanson, author, WallStreetWindow.com. Be in the know. Go to Wall Street Window. And I'm going to do a final little segment here on the Ocelli Effect. Stick around. I'm going to talk about the future of things coming up after the conference. WallStreetWindow.com Gold, silver, the stock market. WallStreetWindow.com Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State. Understood these trends professionally for many years, and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge. WallStreetWindow.com. Go there now. Go there now. Go there now. The Ocelli.com radio network. Go ahead, caller. Hey, I'm interested in the truth about the JFA assassination. Right. Well, what do you want to know? Judy Baker's wild claim. Oswald girlfriend. He knew Ruby and Barry. Cancer weapons. Really? I imagine I could claim I have four wheels. It doesn't make me a wagon, but okay. Oswald was on the kill team and trying to prevent the murder of John Kennedy. Come on now. Has a real effort on the JFA assassination broken into her claims? Go to Amazon.com. Enter Judith Baker in her own words. You'll get the results for a digital copy of a book where Walt Brown utilizes her own words and the known evidence in the case to get at, well, <laughs> a different perspective, let's say. You can get Judith Barry Baker in her own words from the author himself, signed if you request it, by contacting Dr. Brown at K-I-A-S-J-F-K at AOL.com. It's a fun book and it actually dissects the many, many fantastic claims. Judith Barry Baker in her own words. Thank you for all the great information. The War State by Michael Swanson explains the great national transformation that took place and put the Kennedy presidency in the context of the times and reveals never-before-published information about the Cuban Missile Crisis. President Kennedy would not have been assassinated if he had been president 200 years ago. His assassination took place in the context of the Cold War and the rise of the national security state. Before World War II, the United States was a continental republic. In the decade that followed, it became an imperial superpower. Generals such as Curtis LeMay not only wanted to invade Cuba, but knew that there were short-range missiles on the island armed with nuclear warheads that they could not destroy because they were on mobile launchers. Their invasion could have led to a third world war, and they wanted to go to war anyway. The War State by Michael Swanson reveals why and will show you what President Kennedy was up against. For more information, thewarstate.com. 
Ocelli.com. The views expressed by callers, co-hosts, or anyone else who happens to get on the air at Ocelli.com do not necessarily reflect the views of Ocelli.com or Chuck Ocelli. And we are not responsible for any stupidity which might ensue. Thank you. Revelation through conversation. In denial, secret wars with airstrikes and tanks by Larry Hancock. Secret wars became a staple of U.S. covert operations and are still happening today. Larry Hancock's book, In Denial, rips the cover off many of them. Using new files, it exposes things about the Bay of Pigs that no one has ever written about before. It shows why it really failed and why the United States did not learn from it. It also shows why other countries today are doing secret operations with more success. This is the book that puts what some want to deny into the light. In Denial, Secret Wars with Airstrikes and Tanks. Larry Hancock. For more information, go to Larry-Hancock.com. Pick up your copy of In Denial at Amazon.com in digital or physical form. Chuck Jelly. So the second segment of the Ocelli Effect here on a Thursday night, and uh, Mike Swanson was with me for about an hour. I expected him to be with me for 45 minutes, but uh, he went a little longer. Anyway, um, I am just doing this little segment to let you guys know here's what the plan is. I had this idea to do the magic bullet, and indeed I did acquire some of these uh, bullet-shaped thumb drives. So I was going to put my entire archive on these bullet-shaped thumb drives. However, uh, I'm thinking that there might be a more accessible way to make this available for supporters of the show. So if you're somebody who's been signed up for a membership at Ocelli.com or you've made a donation and you want to be added to a list, here's what we're going to do for the rest of 2023 is we're going to collect up a list of individuals who have made contributions, who have decided that they want to support the Ocelli Effect and the Ocelli Radio Network, and over the course of 2024, as you continue to support the network, I'm going to send out zip folders to everybody on an email list. And uh, you'll get the entire archive, the entire Ocelli.com archive over the course of the year. So the more you chip in with support, the more likely you are to be included on the email lists. Okay. And what I'll do is keep track of which ones you get, each one of the folders. There are many, many folders, many gigs of uh, podcasts, and I will send them to you. And you can take them and download them and keep them and end up with the entirety of the archive if you support us through the year of 2024. So if you do that and you want to be added to that list, what you got to do is send me an email to info at ocelli.com. Uh, make donations and things like that, and let me know that that's what you want. You want to be included on that email list. And in January, uh, I will begin sending out the entire archive, which means you'll end up with about 5,000 podcasts at the end of the year if you get uh, on the list immediately. You'll end up with about 5,000 podcasts, all the stuff I've done that I have copies of, and uh, all the stuff I produced over the 10-year time period that the Ocelli Effect has existed. So you'll get the entire first decade 
of all the work if you're a supporter over the course of 2024. So you can begin by making, say, a, uh, you know, a $20 donation, something like that, and continue to make small donations throughout the year, and I'll keep you on that email list. If you want to make one bigger donation, you can do that. There is a link for PayPal at the top of the website at Ocelli.com. There is a tip jar on the link tree, and all you got to do is make a donation and let me know in your donation, in the message, or through an email that you want to be on that list. And throughout 2024, I will send out the first 10 years of the work that is the Ocelli Effect and the Ocelli Radio Network. So I will make it available to all of you guys. And then you can do with it what you want. You want to share it. You want to, uh, you know, download it to your own device. If you want me to send you one of these magic bullets, we can arrange for that. I'll send you the bullet-shaped thumb drive if you like. And you can put it all on your own magic bullet. Save it yourself. Store it where you want to. Get another jump drive, whatever you want to do with it. Or you can just listen to them and discard them as you go. Keep the ones that you like and discard the stuff you don't. Because there is a lot in that history. I covered a lot of live news events as they were occurring. Uh, I I had gone over many, many books with many different authors, different films that were being created, documentaries, other types of films, etc. And then I produced a variety of other shows over the course of those 10 years. So I'm going to include all of that in these zip folders and just bring them to the supporters of the network. So either you can sign up for a membership at Ocelli.com and indicate to me that you want to be included on that monthly email and you'll get zip folders sent to you, monthly zip folders, some of them a couple of gigabytes deep. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to delete them as I go. Like each month, I'll leave them up there. You'll have to download them and do with them what you want for that month. And then the following month, each month, in other words, there'll be a new entry of new zip folders giving you the archives. I'll also include the graphics if you like, uh, but that'll be a separate thing. We're going to try and just get the, uh, the audio out to you. So you get all the MP3s uh, for the entirety of the decade. Starting in 2013, when I started recording this, and I had no idea what I was going to do with the podcast I called The Ocelli Effect. Uh, shortly thereafter, I got on a network and started recording them regularly live, taking callers and all that kind of stuff from the beginning. Um, and yeah, you'll be able to go through the entire history. A lot of people have passed away that uh, made presentations on there. Some interesting activists, journalists, uh, people that were witnesses to things that were occurring at that time or witnesses to history. Uh, everything from the RFK assassination, JFK witnesses, um, you know, people that were there when there was that uh, crazy mass shooting in Canada, uh, people that had witnessed other events, 9-11, obviously, um, Various historical events, people that witnessed them, people that analyzed them, people that wrote about them, people that made films about them, people that did YouTube channels, other broadcasters over the years. Many people came and went. Some people might still be around. Some people have retired. Others are uh, bigger names than you might imagine. Some of them smaller names that you might have forgotten about. Um and you'll get the entire history of the Ocelli effect. So from the very first, uh, again, those rough podcasts that I made privately uh, with Mrs. O as my co-host, uh, to the first live broadcast, which I did with Joan Mellon in February of 2014, 
because we just got a few things done in 2013, and I don't even have all the original podcasts. I've only got like three out of five. Uh, but I'll send those to you, and uh, you'll get that whole first couple of years, actually, in the first month. You'll probably get 2015 and 2014 and 2013 probably all in the first month. But after that, you know, sometimes it got a lot more dense because I was doing this five nights a week for a long time. Um, sometimes I did it three nights a week. Initially, I started with just Saturday nights, and uh, there were a lot of side programs and guest appearances that I'll also include. So, you know, when I was on the uh, the Network's Roundtable show, which today I try and preserve as my own little roundtable show, uh, the call-in show on Friday nights, um, there used to be on Saturday nights when I only did my show on Saturdays. Uh, there was a roundtable show on UCY.TV that I used to do all the time. It's called uh, After the Last Cup because the first show of the day was before the first cup, and that was about coffee, uh, regarding the uh, the day's events right on the network. And that was the end of the week show. Uh, and I was often invited on there, and I used to join it a lot. And uh, did basically, I've almost always uh, uh, responded to any request to do somebody else's podcast. Um and somebody else's broadcast, so various radio appearances and things over the years. Some of them more fun than others. The JFK specials I participated in. All that stuff will be included in this uh, audio archive that, again, it'll take you the whole year to collect because I can only send so much at a time via email, and I'll be clogging up my Google Drive <laughs> with these things on a monthly basis, but that's what I'm going to do. As during the first week of each month in 2024, if you are a signed-up supporter at the site and you have indicated that you want to be on that email list, I will send you the entire 10 years worth of the Ocelli Effect and Ocelli.com radio directly to you in your email box. And then you'll have to download the folder and, like I said, store it where you like. It used to be, and I think you can still do this with the Apple stuff, um, you can import it into your uh, your iTunes or Apple Music or whatever it is they're calling that, uh, that program now. I think you could just import the... Uh, you know, the, these these podcasts straight into it, and it'll keep them for you. Uh, I don't think you'll be able to store all this on a phone <laughs> because I think it's something like, um, I don't know, 40 gigs worth of uh, of, of information. But, uh, but you'll be able to store it on a computer or various drives or, like I said, the bullet drive if you want it. It should hold uh the entirety of the uh, uh of the archive on the bullet drives that I have but I only have a handful of those uh obviously I'll get more of them if you really want the magic bullet but you can store these on any device you want um so that's what's going to happen is I'm going to make it so that memberships now at ocelli.com will include your sign up for the monthly email for the entire year of 2024 and this will be the only time I'm going to offer the whole 10 years worth of the archive that you'll have to get month by month in 2024, which makes it easier because this way, you know, you don't want to make a massive donation. And uh, it would be nice if I was giving you 5,000 podcasts that, you know, I got uh, uh, something for it more than 20 bucks. But if you support me for the whole year, even if you just sign up for a membership and you indicate this is what you want, or if you sign up at Patreon, uh, and you indicate you want to be included on that email list in 2024, this is what we're going to do going forward. 
That way I don't have to store it up on the Internet, and you guys can do with it what you like. You can share it, repost it. Hell, I would encourage you to post it on YouTube because I am attempting right now to kind of covertly build a YouTube channel because they took that away from me. But, uh, but hell, post it on your own YouTube if you think you can get away with it. Um, you know, share it and attribute to where it came from. Uh, tell people where it came from. Point them to Ocelli.com because that's the origin of the archive, okay? And it is not available. This stuff is not available in its entirety anywhere on the Internet. So that'll include all the age of transitions, transistor radio before that. Uncle, the, the uncle shows that I produced, the, uh, the Jack Blood show, the Jeffrey Matt show, uh, Porkins Policy Radio, okay, uh, Dylan Wade show, uh, Popcorn Politics, right? The various shows that I produced over the years, all of that will be included in the archives, along with, uh, Bob Wilson and, uh, uh, you know, our friend, uh, Chris Graves too. Uh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna include all of those shows that I produced. And if you're on the mailing list, boom, you'll have them all. All the ones that I retained. Which, uh, again, is something like 5,000 podcasts altogether. More than 2,000 of them, more than probably 2,200 of them now are, uh, are Ocelli Effect podcasts. But there's, uh, at least, uh, another, you know, 2,500 or so that come from other people. So well over 4,000 podcasts, no problem, probably close to 5,000 podcasts, plus guest appearances uh, in other places. Again, some radio shows uh, more authorized than others, but I'm going to share this with you as supporters. So if you sign up for a membership at Ocelli.com and you stick with me month by month, you will be on that list. All you got to do is request to be on the email list. So Tell me you want the archive in 2024, whether you make a small donation or you make a large one and you continue to make your donations. Just tell me I want to be included on the monthly emails. And that's what's going to happen. A zip folder sent to you loaded with podcasts. And that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to spread the archive all around. And once it's out there, it's out there. I'm not going to seek to monetize this again. It's just the first 10 years. And who knows what it'll look like, you know, <laughs> when 2024 is over. Uh, who knows if I'll even stick around after year 11, right? Guess we'll have to see. We'll see if I survive. <laughs> but long as I'm alive, you'll get a monthly email, which will give you piece by piece, uh, a couple of gigs at a time, massive podcasts. So that's what I plan on sending out throughout the month of tw I mean, the year of 2024. And that's what I would like people to sign up for. So we're going to put this on the front page, this podcast with Mike Swanson and this piece about me telling you about what I'm planning on doing. Uh, and, and hopefully as people come to the site and, uh, learn, cause there should be some new audience from the fact that I'm going to be on coast to coast AM on the 18th of November at, uh, 10 PM Pacific time. Uh, according to the way I'm booked, I should be there until midnight Pacific on the 18th of November this year. I'm hoping that there will be new interest, but, uh, anybody who was interested in the stuff I've done in the past. And, uh, you know, do see that online, a lot of my archive no longer exists. The various networks are gone. My YouTube channel is gone. Other archives have disappeared. Hell, I wanted to put this on archive.org, and I had people working on that. But that project has also collapsed uh, due to people's health issues. And uh, that job's not going to get done either. So I say 
I'll hand it out to you guys, those of you that truly support this, that have supported it. Just get on the email list. Send me a message at info at ocelli.com. Let's just say you're signed on to the Patreon, which there's only a handful of you that are. You know, not the guys that are there for a dollar, although I appreciate you at a dollar. Uh, if you're over there on Patreon and you're there for, I don't know, say the $10 amount, something like that per month, you're absolutely entitled to this. You stick around and stay on it and send me the email you want these zip folders sent to. Okay. And also same thing. If you're, if you're a subscriber at Ocelli.com, send to me, uh, either at info at Ocelli.com or blind JFK researcher at gmail.com. That's my personal email. Blind JFK researcher at gmail.com, which also is my PayPal address. Uh, you can indicate to me there that you want to be included on the 2024 archive mailings and every month at the beginning of the month i will send out a massive archive uh as as much as i can fit gigabytes wise uh, you know in my google drive at the time each month and then i'll delete the previous month so you got to download it and keep it for yourself but that's the way this is going to go each month you'll have a piece of the archive and over the course of the year you'll have the whole first 10 years so easily one year has to go with each month, <laughs> even though the first uh, the first month will have a couple of years worth. There's going to be a couple of uh, months that are not going to handle the whole year gigabyte wise, but that's okay. We will get it all out to you over the course of the 12 months of 2024. So get on that email list if you are a supporter already. If not, sign up. Get a membership at Ocelli.com. I was thinking of raising that uh, membership, not to people that are already signed up, but new signups. I think I am going to raise it to 10 bucks here. And if you sign up for that $10 basic membership, then you're entitled to, not bad, by the way, if you pay $120 for 5,000 podcasts, some of them, by the way, never aired. There's a bunch of stuff that was never aired <laughs> uh, included in this archive. Uh, the exclusives from previous years, all of that will be included with these emails every month if you are a steady supporter at Ocelli.com. So there you go. That's the way it's going to go. I'm going to change the membership level um, before I go on Coast to Coast. I'm going to change the membership level to 10 bucks a month. And I think $120 for 5,000 podcasts is not bad. Uh, but you'll have to capture them and uh, place them on your own devices at your will. Do what you want with them. And that's that. You'll have 10 years worth of an archive that is not available on the Internet anywhere else. And you'll have it all to yourself just for being a steady supporter throughout the year of 2024. And uh, with any luck, this will help us expand. And we'll be able to do a lot more with the network, et cetera. So, you know, because I'm struggling to figure out how to do the video platforms along with my regular work, along with I'd like to produce another show or two. Um, thankfully, Aaron is still sticking with me. I still have Uncle and Aaron with me. But honestly, the comings and goings of other people have been very stressful and problematic. So, you know what? This is the way we're going to do it. I'm going to hand it to you, the supporters of the show. So if you support Ocelli, if you become the effect, you'll have the 10 years worth of the archive in your hands. And that way I don't have to worry about whatever happens to it after I'm all gone and my website folds up. Because I'm sure if I drop dead, the website will go away, etc., etc. You'll have it. 
you'll have all the work up to a certain point. So there it is. Get get on there. Support Ocelli.com. Become a member. Sign up on the Patreon. Whatever it is you want to do and indicate to me that you want to be included on the 2024 mailing list. And you'll end up with the entire archive of the first 10 years of the Ocelli effect. And there you have it, guys. So hopefully we've accomplished a little something tonight. I'm glad I got to speak with Mike Swanson. I'm glad I got to speak with you guys afterwards. And uh, we shall see what the future holds. I'm really anxiously looking forward to the Lancer Conference from the 17th to the 19th of November, 2023. Coming right on up. And I'll be departing for my road trip with my uh, my driver, my friend, my co-host, B. Pete, on the 15th. So, uh That'll be that. Let's see. Does that mean I get one more show? I think I get one more show on a Friday night with BP after this. So we'll be doing the call-in show uh, tomorrow night and all that good stuff. But in the meantime, remember this. I am merely Ocelli. All of you are indeed the effect. And you can be the effect by getting on and supporting us for 2024 and get on the mailing list. Researcher at gmail.com. Make a donation, make a contribution, sign up for a membership, sign up on Patreon, and then indicate to me that you want to get the archives for 2024, and you'll be included on the massive mailing list, the 2024 archive mailing list for Ocelli.com Radio. Anyway, no matter who you are, where you are, when you are, I am merely Ocelli, and all of you, especially those that support me, are the effect. Have a good night.